Adventures. I'm Brian Costello. I'm Jim DeSanto. And I might not ever sleep again after watching Dr. Sleep. Mm. Yes. Mm. And today we are looking at the continuing saga of The Shining with Dr. Sleep. But first, as always, we ask the most pressing question of every episode. What are we drinking this episode? What does everybody have? I'm having Four Roses um, Small Batch Select. I'm not yet at the place of the bottle where I'm scared it will be gone and I will never see it again, so I keep drinking it down. <laughs> just, I actually looked <laughs> I looked at the bottle of Stag Jr. today, and I was like, there's like a, a third of that bottle left, and I was like, I, I can't have that tonight because I will be sad when it's gone. <laughs> oh, you, you felt you, you were going to be depressed if that had happened. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, Katie's having a little One Hope Sauvignon Blanc. It's a favorite oh. springtime wine. Delicious. Out of my back, jam jar. Yes, I was going to say back into back in the, the jam, jam jar. jar. I measured it out tonight. Six ounces. One, um, one nice pour. I love it. I love it. Uh, as part of Mother's Day yesterday, we went for a social distancing walk with Aileen's parents. Oh, very nice. And they live uh, right down the street from Total Wine. Mm. So I was able to go mask, mm-hmm. uh, mask it up mm-hmm. and up my uh, selection of alcohol. Oh, uh, and tonight I am drinking Sam Smith oatmeal stout. Mm-hmm. I want to thank everybody who commented on social media for me. We I posted several choices and there was a tie. So tonight I will be drinking the oatmeal stout. And for Thursday night's uh, episode this week, where we'll be discussing music and music recommendations and choices with Craig Goldberg, I will drink the other uh, beer. It's fitting that we the talk about beer. our alcohol consumption of choice in talking about a movie about alcoholism pretty much <laughs> uh, large, a good large a, point yeah a, a yeah. large point mm-hmm. of it mm-hmm. um fact check quickly uh from last week's episode where we did mission impossible ghost protocol i was actually watching mission impossible 3 earlier today because our Why, friends Brian? at our friends at pop adult will Why? be uh having an episode of it uh, i like the drop in jim yeah. um some exciting tom cruise related news uh to push it further. What happens when you've already scaled the largest building in the world for a movie? You go to outer space. There's nowhere uh, else he, is, to go. he is teaming up with Elon Musk and they are going to film a real portion of a real movie at the International Space Station. Do you think that he's hoping to maybe like connect with extraterrestrial life and convert them to Scientology? I don't know. I think maybe the thought is they can film in outer space because maybe <laughs> COVID-19 is not there. They could get up there and shoot, maybe. I was thinking because they, they did a, an interview with the astronauts at the space station. And I thought, like, how weird is that? That they yeah. like they've been in space while this is all going down and then they're coming home to it. Yeah. yeah, if yeah, you've I ever heard stay up, I'd be like, I'm just yeah, going to stay, stay up, up here, here for a while. The uh, if you've ever heard the stories about them shooting what Apollo 13. Yes, um, it's crazy. They didn't go to space, but they shot it on the uh, the, the quote unquote the vomit comet, which is the one that goes basically to the edge of the atmosphere and then levels out. And you're basically weightless for like a couple minutes at a time. Um, I th- yeah, I think like 90 seconds. Or yeah, something. it's it something crazy. Sh- and they would shoot they in 90 seconds. And like, yeah, it's just uh, just crazy. I'm really happy it's not for a Mission Impossible movie. I am too. Because pe- people were like, oh, do for Mission. I- I'm happy that that is. He even came to the realization that that would not be part of that franchise. And they'll do something. Who knows what it is? I mean, maybe I'm sure it'll only be a small portion of whatever the movie is. Yeah, I, yes. I'd like to see him do something Maybe more interesting. 2020 at this point. Not, Space Odyssey. Not, I don't mean more interesting and maybe just different is what I meant. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see what it is. Yeah. Um, okay, Murder Hornets. No, I'm okay. Just, no, nope. Uh, they still haven't made it to us. There was okay. some discussion of that. Based on my research, it seems still to be in the Northwest. Um, I don't know if you want to rewind the episode, but. That's what I said. I know. Yeah. I was just. <laughs> but then I like, was just fact checking and making sure one? you don't. No one has seen one. Here. Nobody is. Yeah. Okay. Well, who has reported seeing it? My father made the call. You're supposed to call. You're supposed to call. Call the people. And Your you father say, saw a murder hornet. Yes. This was the whole. 
Listen, usually I'm the one not listening. Maybe he did. Maybe he didn't. He I, did. I want to hear Mom, from your mother if the, she's sure mother, it was a murder mother, warrant. They are, they are questioning. I, I, was there anybody, a picture? Is yes. There... If anybody knows bugs and plants and animals, it's my dad. Don't question Jer Curran on the murder hornets. You knock it off. I want to see the picture. I would actually like to see the picture just because I'm interested yeah. in seeing it. And finally, forget murder hornets. The Santos had a bird in their oh, house. Yes. Sure did. We had a bird in the house. Sure uh, Katie left the house. Um, Not because of the bird. No, I was, no, no. I was out of the house, when the, the house when the bird flew okay. in. Did you um, leave the door open so that the bird? No, flew thank in? God. I said that. I was like, thank God, this cannot be blamed on me. Oh no, it was I usually am the one that leaves the door the open. No, I did not. Okay, so it was I did the not. girls. They open the door to let the dog out. Dog goes out. Bird comes in. Um. Yeah. So it was a little hectic. It was a little. Uh, <laughs> there was a lot of energy in in that time period before the I bird left, and it was a good ten fifteen minutes to get the bird out. It felt like six hours. Mm -hmm. Yep. Um, it was it was a battle of wits. Um, the, the bird, bird was smarter. Lost. It, it, the bird, I think, hurt itself trying to flap its wings super fast. Bird okay. is the um, bird. And then it that fell and hit the ground. Fun. And as soon as it hit the ground, Scout pounced. She was oh, like, boy. I'm going to eat a bird. And so the dog jumps at the bird. Right. I swear this bird escaped like within millimeters, like By her teeth. Her feather. teeth closed like right on the tail of this bird. The bird flew like waist high out of the house and and out into the yard, and the dog Man, chased it. Scout's dream would come uh, true. Half hours. She ha has such dreams of catching an animal in our backyard, and so far has only been able to get a slug. L literally, <laughs> a she slug. brings us slugs. Okay, mm -hmm. yeah. well, that's well something, right? Maybe she'll get a murder hornet there. All right, listen. In the area. Uh, we are having confirmation from the Currens, Murder Hornet, Pennsylvania, reported to Penn State, who is studying. They are tracking the bugs. Apparently, they have very distinctive markings on their head. That is like the... the their eyes. They have teardrop eyes. And they have... Like, um, like so my dad said they have like a like yellow band across tattoos? their head. Is yeah. that what it is? Like a gang tattoo there? No, no, no. Their Real eyes job. are shaped like that gang tattoo. Oh, yeah. okay. Yeah. Doesn't sound fun at all. I don't know. Um, nope. Okay. All right. And that is fact check. Now mm -hmm. it is time for the rundown. I think these headphones are so bad that when I wiggle, it's making a weird noise in the, in the audio. Do you, does, does anybody else hear that? No. Okay, well, good. Then maybe it's just in my you don't own hear head. it. Okay, good. <clears throat> Young Danny Torrance survived the Overlook Hotel and tried to put his shine behind him by boxing up his demons and drinking until he couldn't hear their cries. Then he sobered up, got a BFF, and listened to the shine when it connected him with Abra, a young girl with a big heart and an even bigger shine. When dark and evil shiners, steam eaters, child killers set their sights on Abra, Danny risked everything to help her, even if it meant awaking the demons from his past. All right. I like that. That was pretty good. I had character names. I didn't even look them up. Yeah, it's good. Thank you. I feel like this was not done 30 seconds before. No, I did this earlier. I did this earlier in the day. I feel like there's lessons to learn there. Preparation. Especially, it's kind of funny that a teacher would have to learn that. Oh, I still, no, I do. I'm honest with my students about that, that I am a lifelong procrastinator. I understand it completely, and you just have to accept the consequences of it. Sometimes it's that your material is not as good as others. You know. All right, I love it. Uh, so, Doctor Sleep, um, a I don't it's I don't want to say sequel. It's within. Oh, it's one hundred percent a sequel. I mean, it's the same storyline. Yeah, yeah, but I, I we same can character. discuss that. Um, same of author. The Shining. I my question, I guess we can have a discussion of is it is it a sequel of the book The Shining, it's the a film sequel to The both. Shining, or what is it in between? And that's not a bad thing. Uh, and perhaps the resident 
Stephen King expert will be able to yeah. fill us in on all things similar or different of the books. Uh, and that is Jim who selected Dr. Sleep. So why Dr. Sleep, Jim? Uh, I wanted to see it. I know Brian loves the original Shining and Kubrick. And I heard interesting things about how this director was attaching or, you know, attacking the idea of adapting a novel of Stephen King's, but also being true to the Kubrick movie. So in essence, I think this is a sequel to the movie. Okay. Um, I mean, it's also a sequel to the book, but it, it's the 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 biggest difference between the book, The Shining, and Kubrick's The Shining. Um, besides, like the theme, thematic sort of changes, is the because I think Kubrick's Shining is more about of about sort of about madness. I don't know. Um, I, I yeah, I, th- I would think yeah. Uh, yeah, I think that's fair. Yeah, and, and the way. the Stephen King book is about alcoholism, like 100%. Completely about it, right? Yeah, like, I mean, the underlying theme it. is yeah. like, yeah. Um, <clears throat> So I think Mike Flanagan, the director of Dr. Sleep, sort of took both of those ideas and kind of wrapped them into one, um, keeping some of the things from The Shining, the movie, meaning uh, mainly the Overlook Hotel. In the book, that burnt, that uh explodes like um jack torrance his job is to release the steam valve that's why danny knew how to do it um and in the in the book he doesn't do that and it ends up blowing up and killing him um in the movie the shining uh stanley kubrick had him out in the maze and freezing to death so it was more like an ice over than than an explosion um and so the Overlook still exists in the world of Dr. Sleep, the movie, but it yes. doesn't exist in Dr. Sleep, the novel. Oh, we didn't talk about that. You and I didn't talk about that. So in the in the book, they don't go back to the hotel? They go back to the property. Okay. Yeah. The, property the property in the hotel. Okay. As so far as I remember, the property, the property in the, the book is like an RV park that is the knot has like taken up residence. Ah, uh, I see. Yeah, the true knot. Who are okay. the villains? <laughs> All right, so let's let's go here first instead and talk about just quickly. Did we like the movie? Not like the movie, and then get into the movie itself. Uh, let's start with Jim, who is the Stephen King lover. I, what was your feeling about the film? I liked it. I thought it was. Um, there were parts that felt longer and slower, but I also. In in those slower moments, I felt like there were lots of things accomplished, so I didn't feel like it was unnecessary. Um, yeah, I, I I really enjoyed it. I thought they did a really good job of, especially some of the more abstract ideas of like the mind palace kind of um, mm-hmm. scenarios, the mind libraries, and like how um, you know there, that idea is in other Stephen King books, notably Dreamcatcher which does not very good job of, of a movie of uh, depicting that. Um, and in this case, I thought it was, it was done very well. Um, I loved how he used a lot of the Kubrick ideas of angles and, and things like that. So I, I, I enjoyed the movie. Um, yeah. I, I think I'm, I will like to rewatch it to see if I really, you know, how it would rank with some of my favorite, Stephen King properties. I mean, to be honest, there aren't very good, a lot of very good Stephen King adaptations. So I would not put it a, a beyond the original Shining um, as far as a movie. Um, and maybe not it to or it chapter one, but I don't know. Definitely not Stand By Me. Katie. Yeah, I thought it was a good movie. Um, you know, horror is not uh not my bag and whenever there's like violence against kids like that is a particular really hard to watch or think about piece for me um i like i get very like i don't i i want to leave the room um so it it was a hard watch at times <laughs> but it was it was good. I mean, it was. It's a good movie. You know, I I like. I think it it delivers on all of the 
promises <laughs> of, you know, of having those Stephen King elements, you know, so you certainly, um, the way they handle the knot, I mean, th there is a, there's a terror there to like the way that they move, the way that they, um, control, you know, as Jim said, like just the way that that's handled kind of understanding what happens in, in their, in their minds or like being able to convey the power that they have. Cause it is more of a subtle power. You know, it's not something, it's not a monster, right? It's not like a, it's not a big visual that you get on screen. Um, and so I think it takes a lot more work on the, the hat on the behalf of the director, um, part of the director. Before yeah. we go on, I will say that's one part that I think they did not do a great job. And obviously Stephen King has a lot more time to play around with this, but, in the book, the the true knot is described more more as individuals, and they are like the the villain version of like the Avengers. Like they each have a specific mm. power, and they're each good at one thing. Um, and they sort of tell you that when they uh, when they well, recruit Snakebite Annie. That's it, right? You get a few of yeah. them, but, yeah. And you know that, yeah. I just realized I forgot my Rose the Hat hat. Yeah. Can I go right. grab it? I have to grab go, it. Go go. Yeah, get I'm gonna it. go get it. All right, Brian, did you tell us if you liked it? Uh yes. I, you know what I found interesting about this movie after, you know, we're 80 some odd movies into it. When I was watching this, there were points at it that I really liked what it was doing. And then others that I was kind of conflicted on, but there was never anything I disliked. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I'm kind of like, I would ultimately tell people I, I really uh, think they should watch it. I think it's a good movie. I think where it might start to fall apart is if you try to sell it as like, Oh, watch the shining and then watch its sequel, Dr. Sleep, because I don't think it holds up very well in that way. Yeah. No, the, yeah. they feel totally different. Yeah. So I, so, um, but I, I like, the director. I think the director does a good job um, visually in some of the things they have. And a, a lot of the issues, I guess I would say I have that we'll talk about are really not related to the film itself. You know, they're just some choices, I think, that were forced upon them. You know, first and foremost, I guess, was kind of the not idea. And one of the things I thought watching this and it ties into when we had Jimmy on to discuss adaptations is I, I really wonder if they tried to get too much into this. Yeah. Like there was, there were points where it was like walking this line that I felt that it was, there were sections and you already hit on this, Jim, that were too long or too slow that felt like a book or a TV series. Yeah. And then there were parts that felt like a movie. So that points it, I felt, certain sections of the film were a little disjointed and there was a, supposed to be the director's cut, which is even longer um, that maybe would have smoothed that out a little bit. Yeah. But, now you know, I want to see that. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, just, I, I like, I had my notes and I thought it was kind of interesting that like Katie, I, and I even texted Jim about this. I find it really difficult to watch movies where kids are kidnapped or something. And, and maybe t Jim can discuss a little bit of, it seems a lot of these Stephen King books are focused on children, you know, at least yeah. the ones we do. But I guess my point was by the point we get to that scene with the, uh, the, the kid, uh, the baseball player mm -hmm. in Iowa that you really triggers the movie and moves it a lot fast. That happens at about the hour mark. Yeah. You know, so we're like an hour of setup stuff here. That's, Certainly interesting, but I don't I don't know if it's 100 percent necessary. For example, early on, I, I, I it really almost lost me when I, I get it. Danny Torrance is a horrible alcoholic and stuff. But when it shows the little kid walking out, living in that filth and he like gives the kid cheese, it's like, I, I don't know. I it just that to well, me, I, uh, I, I don't know if I needed. I think there's ways they could no, have I, got that. I, I are know. you confusing your feeling uncomfortable with not needing it? No, I understand why it's there. It's just I don't know. It just was. It, I know why, because what it's setting up for his character and stuff. But well, no, but are you what I'm saying is not 
do you think it's not needed or do you do you just hate the way it made you feel I, I maybe I think it could something could have achieved in a different way. Now, if that's what was in the book, I get it. That's exactly it's worse. Well, I mean, and let's be honest, it's worse because you find out that they're dead later. Oh, on. are they? Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's the yeah. That's remember she comes to him. Oh yeah. Okay. So so what I was thinking about when you were saying like you know if you heard that this was a follow up to The Shining, um, you know it certainly doesn't hold up as as strong of a movie. But I don't know. I always think for sequels like this, the interest is in following the characters, right? And so I think the idea of seeing who does this kid that we see, you know, who does Jack Torrance's son grow up to be? How does this experience impact him, change him? And so I think you have to see him hit real bottom. I mean, like, that's... But like his bottom's going to be lower than like maybe anybody else's bottom, right? Like that's that is a true rock bottom. Yeah, no, I I, I can see. I was shocked, I, and I think I told Katie that they they went through his whole history. So like that's all in the book. Like the, you know, going from well, actually the the part with him as the kid that is not really in the book. So that was an interesting choice to me is to spend time with Danny as I'm trying to remember. I guess maybe there is something in there about what's his name coming to what's the uh the old guy's name? Um I always forget his name, the black guy. Um I confuse his Tony. Tony no, Tony's Tony's the, Tony's, the Tony's the Tony <laughs> Shine. Shine. Yeah. Um but yeah, so he he comes to him and shows him how to lock the the ghosts or you know the the ghosts away. Um, so I was shocked that they gave that much time to that portion of the story. Um, so I'm interesting what the director's cut goes well, into. Yeah, do you think they had to though? Because one of my big notes on this movie um, was this idea: is is this really you know how dependent? are you on having seen the the movie or the book? And obviously that's who they're targeting for, but this was not a huge box office hit. No. Uh, and part of my issue is, as a standalone movie, if I was showing this to somebody, I don't know, man. I, it, and, and the parts where they, for example, uh, one of the big issues was the recasting of a different actor to play Jack Torrance. Like that's why it felt that's where it started to feel like almost TV mini series ish to me. You know, it's like, Oh, we're going to get somebody else to play the mom. And then we're going to get somebody else to play this. And then how much do you really know uh, about the shining? And then you start thinking about Kubrick shining and the themes and the idea of it and how little it was tied to the shining itself and so much of this movie mm -hmm. is about that, which is obviously what the book was about. And it, I don't know, it, I was a little off. As somebody who really likes the movie The Shining, I, I, in my mind, I'm not linking this as a sequel in it. Like, I, this is not impacting my reading of what Kubrick did, because in, in my opinion, this is nowhere where Kubrick would have taken something like this. Yeah, it's interesting because it's so hard. I have not read nearly the amount of Stephen King that Jim has, but um, Stephen King has a lot of overlapping characters, ideas, places, references. And so really, if you've read any Stephen King, I think you're going to get a different perspective on his films, his stories, because you already are coming with with concepts. Right. And so, you know, again, like I, I always think like, Oh, if I get to spend more time with a character that I'm really intrigued by, um, or a storyline or a world, like if I get to spend more time in that world, mm -hmm. then that's going to feel better to me than somebody who's just coming into this experience blind without any of that, um, you know, emotional expectation. Um, and so, I I I think that this was one of those experiences where, you know, there were just there were little Easter eggs and just like fun King. Yeah, there's isms, a lot of references you know? to Dark Tower and things in this. Yeah, and listen, I 
lot like there are parts of it I, I was really genuinely interested in, but I would have liked it. I feel like they either had to do more of it or less of it. And I don't know if that makes any sense. Like I could have had them build that world a lot. Like if this was something on Hulu or Netflix, or I would be all in on that universe being built and, mm-hmm. you know, that whole type of thing and what it was supposed to be about and the supernatural aspects of it and everything. But to me, that was not the focal point of Kubrick shining. So no, not at all. And that's where I guess maybe as watching those two together, I, I don't feel the marriage of those two. I, I, I honestly I thought separate. Yeah. But that, I guess my problem is I, at points, if I have a problem and I still really enjoyed the movie, I feel like it's leaning into the movie in ways, visual homages and things and continuing it. But I don't think they're necessarily the same. I don't know if it's Flanagan wanting, loving Stephen King's writing and loving the movie. So he doesn't want to disappoint on either end. And in some aspects of that, to me, are a little off at points. Yeah, well, I mean, they definitely delve way more into the characters, Um, specifically the the, you know, they even sort of name the the villains and you have you have more you know two shot conversations in this than than in you know there's there's way well, more yeah there's yeah. dialogue and character development so like i i still don't I, while the while it feels different and everything it's a it's a sequel there's there's no way to get away from that i i just i don't see how th- this is not a standalone movie and so like whether you want it to be a sequel from the book or or the movie, I think it, you know, it can work. I mean, the, the, it's not, a, well, it's not a sequel to the book because the book sequel exists. So I, um, so it's, it's interesting. Yeah. I, I don't know how to, how to reconcile that. It just, it is what it is at this point. It's sort of like tries to do both. Um, and I guess if you were, more i i think this would probably resonate a little more with stephen king people because it's more closer to the book than kubrick shining is um while it does keep some of the cooler aspects of what kubrick was able to accomplish with like how things looked and felt um i didn't have as much of i thought i was going to have a problem as soon as i saw that they were going to have the mom and the kid. And I was like, Danny as a kid, I was like, oh, this is going to be weird. I thought she was amazing pulling off like a Shelley Duvall role. Uh, for as little she, as she was in the movie, I thought she was really good. The Jack, She was better than Jack. I Jack was Henry Thomas. Elliot. Isn't that crazy? Really? Yes. Was that who that was? Yes. So like, I think they should have just, they should have got someone to do his voice. And never shown him because I loved I the beginning that's what of that they were scene. Gonna do. Yeah, but his voice wasn't close. Yeah, like agreed. No, it, it, and he can has you such pull a... up? Uh, can you pull up the visual of the bartender in The Shining? Because I was uh, wondering. It looks nothing like no. that. No, 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 no. no. no it, a, but I he worked with Kubrick a lot. But I loved that scene, and I thought it was that was one of the more interesting scenes to me because, and that's the that's the theme that doesn't exist in in the Kubrick Shining at all, which is you know he's really tying home that idea of you as Danny doing his whole AA thing about his dad standing on the, on the podium and and wanting to be where he is X amount of days sober, uh, years sober. And you know, the overlook, like his glass was still sitting there, like the glass that, that Lloyd gave him. Um, And just the notion that like Jack, Jack's ghost would be, Right, like, the, and well, the way and that he I labels think, that place, the forces of that place. Right, and I think that's he was. I mean, I don't know if if he was trying to uh, explain a little bit of what Kubrick left up in the air, which is that you know the picture had Jack Torrance in it <laughs> at the end. Yeah, um, I'm assuming that's what it was. But uh, yeah, as far as like the story goes, I think it was pretty close and it, it was somewhat enjoyable in the book. I, I, I have a problem with the things like the steam, like why not that, that just seems too 
like the fact that they keep them in actual canisters seemed like too like like very high tech canisters right and it seems like too mixed media like give me like fantastical like they're sucking it out and like breathing it in or whatever but like do they really need a refrigerator to store it for later and that whole concept doesn't i don't know i had a problem with that in the book so i didn't love that um, I wish they would have changed it for the movie and just made them like vampires of like soul mm-hmm. vampires or something. Yeah. Well, that's I was kind of lost about who they were, what they I mean, I bought into it. I have to give uh, Frank a lot of credit because this felt very Stephen King to me. And, and that's a positive way. Like yeah. I, as somebody who hasn't read a lot of Stephen King, but the beats, the delivery, like everything felt that and better you know it felt like that's where i said it was that that hovering and it w- didn't feel like a tv miniseries because of the production quality it just felt because of the pacing and some of the yeah. story threads like are they going to go more here this felt like a real very stephen king yeah there's that like there's monologues and th- that that hunting monologue that billy freeman gives is got I, i'll have to go back and look but i'm imagining it straight out of the book mm-hmm. like it, i'm that is such a key, stephen king like way to write um so yeah i I enjoyed that piece of it i thought the actors were i was going to say could could we talk about some of the standout performances in this film because it's i mean it was so obviously ewan so good very i mean always but uh abra what can we acknowledge this girl by name because i don't know her name oh kylie kylie Curran. Bringing the current name to the screen. She has uh, oh zero credits. Oh my gosh, this is like this, her really. first big role. She was incredible. Yeah. Incredible. Um, and there's some exciting and, portions of this movie, and I love when she turns the tables on Rose. Uh, mm-hmm. It's And they the knot starts to realize that she's more powerful than any of them is, you know, it's a cliche that the kid is the more powerful kind of, that's mm. always like a fantasy kind of supernatural cliche, but... Uh, I think it's really uh, it, it. They do it really well here, and Rebecca Ferguson is evil. Is <laughs> great. There is just she like something so to good, her. Yes, yeah. like she's captivating to watch on yeah. screen. Yeah, At, like, Katie I, hasn't seen her in the new Mission no, Impossible. No, we, well, and I have She'll to be your say, favorite. I couldn't place her face at the beginning, and and when Jim pointed out that it's the girl from Greatest Showman, I was blown away because to me she was like an entirely different character. And it wasn't until I like I made their faces, you know, like brought them together. That I was like, oh, my God, it is the same. She just became this. I said she was like a Stevie Nicks, Tom Petty yeah. sort of yeah. wild force and in this movie. You'd never know she's Swedish, by the way. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. She's incredible. She, I, I thought every scene that she was in, even if you were just watching her sit in her yogi posture on top of the rv i don't know she just she captivates you like your eye is drawn to her and like i would just watch the woman breathe well do you know i that's the thing maybe the more i've, I've been thinking about it as we've been talking about it the acting's great the the vibe the feel of it's great it's shot where there's nothing i i guess my hang up is at points like the homages to things there it, it's almost like you didn't need to do it like, I, and maybe that's what it is. Like, you didn't need to have as much of Danny on the tricycle as possible. You yeah, they did. To do, yeah. Do you, like, that's the part I'm like, I think you could have done it in a more subtle way because so many people do homages to Kubrick's work and you could do it in a way in the set design and stuff where you didn't have to do it. In fact, I thought they did. There is one scene where he did it that I thought it was brilliant. But you'd, I think you'd really have to be a shining film fan to pick it up. And that's when Danny is getting the job offered to be the orderly. Yeah. Is shot and framed and the composition of it is exactly same as when Jack got the job off. And it's the same office. Yeah, it's the same but office. I, <laughs> but I love that because whereas Jack taking the job is his ultimately his downfall and his destruction, which is doing that, because he's coming from it at a different place in his life. Well, Danny, it's the reverse. So yeah. I, that I And loved. in both cases, it's because of their... Alcoholism. Well, no, it's, I mean, for, for Danny, it's not really because of his alcoholism. It's because of his shine. 
Like, oh, I right. mean, like his, yeah. right? Like why he's good at that job, right? Like why that job saves yeah, yeah. him is because of what he can do. But, right. but I, but I loved, that was like something I loved. That was, it was a less over. Yeah. I wonder I if they kept that tricycle scene with the woman in two thirty was it? Two thirty-seven. Yeah. If they kept that so that like people had a clue what was going on, if you've yeah. never seen The Shining. Maybe, but I would argue if you've never seen The Shining, I feel like you're still you're still gonna be lost, I think. Yeah, in some of the I agree, Brian. I think you have to know. Yeah, you've yeah. gotta know the story in order for this to make sense. I did love a lot of the other like little homages, like where things happen in the same spots, like him with yes. the axe where she had the bat and they're sort of like doing that same dance up the stairs. The typewriter. Um, the t- yeah. The, yeah. The type. Well, I mean, then that was just like it was still there. But, but still, like, like the posture of him, like with the axe, scenes. like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. you know, it was. And the it, way he was, what he was wearing yeah. in that scene. Mm-hmm. And it was I, even Ewan McGregor's, his walk was so. I love all that. I, I guess what I find so interesting is, and we had this discussion when we did The Shining, is The Shining, there's like two real opposite camps there the people who just like Stephen King novels or King himself are not fans necessarily of that movie. And the Kubrick people like me see it as a property that is Kubrick. You know, they've, they've almost separated themselves, right? Like shining the novel is this and shining the movie is this. And there are people who obviously like both, Mm -hmm. but the idea of marrying these two, interestingly to me, as somebody who's on like Stephen Co- Stanley Kubrick f- fan pages and stuff, there wasn't a lot of excitement about this movie. You know, so if the idea was, oh, we're going to bring these groups in and this is going to make this successful, those people who are just Kubrick fans, they're very leery to go watch someone that's saying, oh, we're going to do the, even yeah, though his no, family I, was yeah, supportive I, I, this of this. Was more for, this was more for Stephen King. No, I, I think they don't care about those people, to be fair, Brian. Like, I think there is a larger group of people who like The Shining that could give a shit about Kubrick. Maybe. Yeah, they, they don't do care about film. there's enough of that, though? I mean, I'm just thinking and Way more than the people that care about Kubrick, yeah. I'm just thinking of how it did I, financially. I don't it care about that. I mean, that. does it, I mean... It, I just none, think it's interesting because I'm wondering like what the fact was that the mindset, are they well, trying to I'll please be honest, too many people I think here? if they really wanted to appeal to the Shining fans, they would have changed the name of the movie. Because I don't, I don't think that people would have seen this movie. I mean, maybe, maybe, yeah. Maybe you see the trailer and you're like, oh, that's, that's the sequel to The Shining. But you it hear Dr. Sleep. It was a great trailer, by the way. It was a great trailer. Yeah, I remember. I think th- I think this was this was a Stephen King sequel. Oh yeah, not the, a Kubrick. Yeah, sequel. this was based on the, this was greenlit and done because of it. Had to be like there's no, I mean, it chapter one was a juggernaut in horror. So I, when did I don't, the book come out? How old is the book? Um. It's not super old. Yeah, I feel like no. I remember the book ago. itself coming out actually. Yeah. Well, here's I guess here's another uh, kind of question I have about this. Do you think that a film, and this is a debate I've had with other people, do films need to be able to stand on their own? You know, does this stand on its own without? any prior knowledge and and what came to my mind is I, I think you can pull that off sometimes you know obviously quite possibly the most profitable franchise in the world is marvel and mm-hmm. those movies are so interconnected but i feel like the ones that are truly great movies if i said truly great movies three come to my mind like great movies that you could watch one is black panther like you could watch Black Panther, in my opinion, with minimal knowledge of the Marvel world. Thor Ragnarok, I think you could show to somebody. I don't. You don't think you could? You don't think you could show somebody and they would no, enjoy I... it for what it is? But you're Maybe, talking but you're about asking them to not, just not world, care about why but different Hulk... characters. I think that's that's different. So, like those movies all focus in on different characters. And I understand that some of the stories overlap, but. 
I don't I don't think you can compare that to something like this. Yeah, they're not. This is this I mean, is like it chapter one, it chapter two, except it has a 30 year gap. And but the, the argument is the well, only character you truly have any connection to from the previous movie is Danny. And you didn't really know. Well, you Danny. didn't have a connection to anybody in that movie, really. I know, but that's my <laughs> point. So it, it, it's it, it, I don't know. Yeah. I, I'm just wondering, like, no, I, this, I don't as think much as I enjoyed the movie. Does is this a movie that somebody could come into blindly and watch? And I, how what would their take on this be? I don't know if that's possible, but I don't think you need to do that for sequels. And I think if that I think that's a problem of, of a lot of sequels is that if you try to do that, then you end up rehashing so much that's already happened that it gets like it gets like, why? Why do we need to talk about this? Like, why do we need to show this? Um. And so, like, I guess, like, telling an individual story in the same universe, to me, is not exactly the same thing as a sequel. Like, yeah, I guess Mission Impossible 5 is, is a sequel to 2 in name only. But, like, I, I don't need to see it. And that's because the stories aren't connected at all. So, like... I think you do a disservice to put any kind of like rule to say like, well, I think it needs to stand on its own. Well, then you don't care what story it needs to tell. Like if, if, if they're continuing, continuing the story and you ask it to stand on its own, then you're hurting the movie. But if they're not continuing the story, then yeah, absolutely. You could, it should be able to stand on its own. It would be weird. The, the reverse, right? If they were not continuing the same story and they were just introducing Danny as a 30-year-old detective or a 40-year-old detective who they never mentioned the Overlook Hotel, they never mentioned The Shining, they, he's just a psychic, you know, it would be a disservice to start mentioning all that stuff because you, it's not connected. What about like if in, in every Harry Potter movie... They had to reintroduce the origin story. Yeah, like of none of those would stand on. Like their own. then you would never want to watch them in sequence because it would just feel like you're getting hit over the head with the same information. Yeah, like, I, this I is guess. only a two parter. But no, no, I well, no, but that's what I mean. I, I, I don't know. Maybe it's so. This doesn't feel like a sequel to the Shining movie to me. Maybe that's what it is. I just, I, I don't think that Kubrick, who made it. It doesn't matter, a, but he, I, dude, it doesn't matter what Kubrick would have done. That's not what a sequel is. So, like, I, I'm having a hard time because it is a direct sequel to this movie. It it continues the story of literally one of the main I guess, characters. But I feel like the whole I like none of what was important in the first one, or even the world that was established, is the world that is that is not true at all. For Kubrick, found nothing important except the hotel. And it plays a gigantic part in this movie. Well, I do. I agree. It plays a gigantic part at the end of the movie. And I it doesn't exist issue, in the book. Well, I know, which is interesting. I wonder. And, I mean, what, all of the go like you could have technically had new ghosts, right? It doesn't need to be the same characters, right? And when he goes back but, into the but overlook, that the is idea important. is like that 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 it's an evil entity, right? No, it's, it's a source of evil. Right. It's important because those are the those are his quote unquote. Those ghosts are his ghosts that he locked away. Yes, yes, yes. Okay. Um, however, you also get the impression that there are more than them, right? Like when you see his boxes. Oh yeah, yeah. His He's boxes a- continue beyond. The people that you see in the Overlook. Yes. Oh, right, right. So, like, so yeah, yeah, yeah. what I'm saying is, like, if they if they didn't want it to be a nod in many ways to The Shining, they didn't have to bring back the twins. They didn't right, have to bring right. back the lady in the bathtub, right? Like, it, you get all of those characters. It does feel different, but it's still the same. It's still the continuation of that of that character's story. And the hotel I, I, story. I, I see that I, to some degree. I, I'm still curious of, and I'm sure the book does this much more. You know, the and one of the complaints, obviously, Stephen King fans is The Shining has very little impact in The Shining itself. The book Within has little the, impact on the movie. Yeah, but I mean, the idea of what that's the, the powers what of it the is. Shining. Oh, yeah. oh, I'm sorry. Okay. Is that something in like Dr. Sleep and yeah. this whole world so, is being introduced more like, do we yeah. get a great idea of like the history of the knot and stuff like that? No, that well, would have been, 
I like that part really intrigued me. And I was saying there like that. I wish we could have got even more on like who yeah. these people were. What you get a lot more backstory was you get a lot more of their story of them like living together. Like I think Annie and Rose have like a an affair and then there's like another girl. It, it there's like way more of them living together that you go through their life a little bit. Um as far as the shining, you, the one thing they totally leave out of this, and I don't know, it probably would have seemed weird, is that apparently Abra is actually Danny's like uh like step niece-ish. She really is. She really does she call is, Uncle Dan. She is Jack Torrance's daughter or Jack Torrance's granddaughter. He had like an affair with, with someone with, so with like her genetic, grandmother. Genetic tie. To yeah, it, it's, it's tenuous. <laughs> but she, the grandmother actually plays a bigger part in the story where she, she talks about like she has the shine. So she, she sort of like helps Danny and Abra along a little bit. But so not having read that um, and trying to separate like what I know from other books, I felt like you got enough from Danny's description of the knot um, that he compares them to the ghosts of his past that we see snake bite. What's her name? Annie. Snake bite Annie. And uh, die. Right. Like her mortal self dies. Right. So she is now immortal. Um, and so I think those pieces give you enough information to understand that these are no longer human yeah. creatures. Now, I was wondering what the rules are because I'm always intrigued yeah. in how you kill how you kill immortal creatures, right? Like, so they are killed as like, though they're like humans. Human, yeah. I yeah. find that interesting. It's sort yeah, I, I don't know what the rules are. And this is something I think Stephen King has trouble with sometimes is like, I would have loved if in this movie they did even less showing of them other than Rose, like made them like more like, like yeah, or like more monstrous, a little bit more monstrous um, and, and kind of kept them out of the light because he doesn't go into it like Stephen King does where you're like living with them in whole chapters. Okay. And so like pulling it back, it's like, if you're only going to see like them being quote unquote sort of human, like a little bit, it's, I don't know. I'm not as scared but of them. Oh no, I disagree. Uh, you know, so we talked the other night about how, Ooh, I just got audio jump. Um, we talked the other night that the idea of them having human form some sort of humanity, whatever that, like, however you want to think about that, even if they are creatures, that there is still a choice. There's a choice to feed. There's a choice to bring others into the flock. That That's like another level of horror, right? Where I think that that's what makes this so terrifying is they're not vampires. They're not creatures. They're not dementors. They're not wraiths. They... They are people who show up at campsites and yeah. right, lure children, right? And to me, that makes them scarier, yeah. right? That there is a little girl who looks into the woods and all of a sudden there are more people that are just like yeah, it'll up. be like, interesting. That's terrifying. I do. I, I agree to a certain extent, but I, I, it'll be interesting to see if in the director's cut, he spends more time with them. Um, but that is something that you sort of get used to as a Stephen King reader is that the big bads are always less explained than the humans who are shitty. Mm -hmm. uh, he spends much more time. It, it's, it's a typical Stephen King scenario is to like have a, have a really awful horror, fantastic, you know, supernatural scenario. That's terrifying happening to a group of people. And he's less interested in explaining what that is and more interested in explaining why, now the humans are doing shitty things to each other. Um, <laughs> and well, that's, there, said, yeah, there's less of that in this movie. Yeah, but I feel like that they, he, and it's so interesting that he and Kubrick cross paths because I think they're almost polar opposites yeah. in, their, in their mindsets. I think uh, of how they want to tell or what they value in terms of 
telling a story. Yeah, and I don't, I don't think he he does not. And I think it probably stems from The Shining being turned into a movie. At this point, he doesn't care. Like he he sells the rights, and he literally does not care what happens to them. He just is like, it's done. It's it my I'm what I did is done. So like, I don't care what you do. You want me to be involved? I'll be involved. If not, whatever. Go have fun. You know, do do whatever you want with it. Um, I think this book was probably super personal to him, based on you know his addiction issues. Um, and so like maybe that's why he was so upset with what Kubrick did of it. It's clearly genius. Like it clearly f- makes you feel a certain way when you watch it. So it's not. It's not not a good movie. It's a great movie. Um, so yeah, I, I I mean the fact that he hates it is probably just that he didn't he didn't love that you know the main theme of the movie was or the main theme of the book ended up not being the main theme of the movie. Yeah. Well, it, that it, that's yes yes because yeah. <laughs> that's what you write for. Yeah. Right. And like, I, he was still young. At I mean. He Stephen King did not have probably the the cachet he has now at the time The Shining was made. What year was The Shining made? 79. 79. Like that's literally what what did he even have at that point? Probably nothing. <laughs> I mean, yeah, he was he was, he was a big horror most, writer. Yeah, he was not he was, he was listen, not a, a in he was not an all-time writer which he is now. Like he yeah. is prolific to the point of, you know, and by the way, this is something that happens to huge authors. It's why a yeah. lot of really big authors just won't even uh, sell their books because they they're just not comfortable with it being something different, which in some ways it always turns out to be. Yeah, um, he he's much more interested in television now. Like it's yeah. clear, like he he speaks a lot about TV. He started writing for Entertainment Weekly and most of the stuff. He does is review TV shows and talk about TV shows. And that does make sense. Yeah. I mean, we've spoken to that. It's- so The Shining was his third novel. It came out in 1977. The two that he had prior were Carrie and Salem's Lot. Um, I don't know. Did Carrie beat this out? Maybe yes. as far as like when it, it was released. Yeah, I, I think Carrie would have been out. Yeah, before this which one. was probably the first one. Salem's Lot is not a great movie. It's a good That's movie. true. Um, and then so then then he has like the stance. So this is literally his third novel, which is insane. Yeah. Rock a wiki yeah. on that. Let's no, check the Car- Carrie Car- movie Car- release. No, date. Carrie came out in 1976. Oh, wow. okay, yeah. So wow. two years after, and Carrie's a much tighter story. It's like really focused. Um, well, listen, and, and the thing is, I I don't know the the comb- the how Carrie matches up to the book but De Palma did carry and he's a strong director too that was going to do his vision regardless of what was on the page in some ways maybe yeah. it was less I don't think know. there's as much to deviate from there yeah and like the theme was always going to be the same like you, it's inescapable and carry it's like the name of I mean right well right. Uh, you would think the same well it's me <laughs> so if there no but if but if you're thinking about that like you're saying this would be a personal story to him that the character is probably personal. personal. Yeah. So then any playing with that character, right? If he identifies himself in that character in any kind of a way, if he empathizes with, right? Like anything where that character steered differently is going to feel like a personal attack. Uh, yeah, or maybe. If the author really, yeah. right? Like if yeah. that's... Their person. Yeah. I just think their personalities are they're as storytellers were their goal was very different. And that's, you know, maybe as you get older, you come realization of that. Probably when you're younger, it's your vision of what it is, is more right than another. And it's your baby. The one thing I, I think I agree with Brian on as far as like this movie is like, there are segments where I think Mike Flanagan did such a good job of like, trying to incorporate some of the Kubrick stuff and making things look and feel sort of in that, that realm. But then there are others where there's like two characters talking that seem very mundane and there's no like aspect ratio or there's no, there's no, like I'm looking at these two people talking at like 
the kitchen table and I don't necessarily feel the way I should feel. Like even when you're, when you see Abra's family starting to discover like what, that she has these abilities that feels very television to me. Whereas it could have felt like it could have been more like he could have used more Kubrick inspiration in that moment to, to like start to make the viewer uneasy. I mean, the parents were uneasy. So like, I thought that was a missed opportunity. I didn't feel impressed by those scenes at all. Yeah. Well, I I think we it's definitely I I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it actually more than I thought I was going to enjoy it. And I didn't think it was going to be bad, but I would say I enjoyed it more than I thought I was going to enjoy yeah. it. Yeah. The uh the rose flying off to visit Abra's uh find Abra was I thought that sequence was incredible. Yeah. Where she's like I mean, flying through the cl- yeah. clouds and stuff. There's some great I mean there really is some great stuff in this yeah. and it's it's worth watching i do think you need to have some background yeah oh, one i think you, you've so got to watch the shine if you haven't seen the shining there's no sense in watching dr sleep yeah it's um, true. yes if you haven't seen both of those movies then you should watch both of them if you haven't seen the shining why <laughs> just yes. start there just go there yeah well, it's quarantine absolutely Let's go. all right time for game of the week This week's game of the week is Katie's least favorite game we ever play, uh, which is Own It, Skip It, One and Done. And we're doing Stephen King movies that we have done. We've done a lot of Stephen King movies. We've done more Stephen King than Mission Impossible. And Tom Cruise. Actually, I think it's tied. Stephen (laughs) King and Tom Cruise might be tied. We haven't done more than these three, though, right? I don't think so. I think it was just these three when I checked. All right. So Own It, Skip It, One and Done, Dr. Sleep, the Shining, it chapter one. I'll go first because I can. I th- I. Uh, I think I would own it chapter one, and that's just personal because I love that movie. Uh, it's my favorite Stephen King adaptation. Um, one and done. The Shining and skip it. Doctor Sleep. Yeah. A same. I mean, because really, it's going to come down to because you can't watch Doctor Sleep without seeing The Shining, and so then that leaves you with. Oh, I didn't even think about it that. But. Versus <laughs> The Shining, which one do you want to own? Yeah, yeah, I want to own it. Chapter one. You've got everybody has to watch The Shining. I know and The Shining is a better movie. I don't but... want to skip Doctor Sleep, Brian. I don't want to skip it. But you're more, yes. you're making me. You're putting me in these difficult positions. I'm putting you in difficult positions. I own The Shining, and I'm about to upgrade to the in 4K. 4K. <laughs> no, not yet. 4D and Blu-ray. I'm about to upgrade to 4K. Oh, Brian, the other. Go ahead. Sorry. Uh, and then I think I would. Ooh, this is tough. I think I would. I think I enjoyed it. Chapter one. A little bit more, but I did enjoy Doctor Sleep. So I think I would take it. I, I still have not seen it. Chapter two, by the way, it's, uh, not, me, it's not as good as chapter part, one. Part of so me just uh, is OK with staying with chapter one because yeah. I like as a self-contained movie and being comfortable with that experience. So, uh, Brian, so you a, and I lean away from the horror yes. uh, and our spouses lean in. Did Aileen watch Doctor Sleep with you? No, mm. she did. She now, did she, she like The Shining? Sh- uh, she did. She likes The Shining. Uh, it just, for whatever reason, didn't didn't call out to her. I, mm-hmm. I again, it's she, not traditional horror. So that's the other thing with Stephen yeah, King. Yeah, I think that's fair it's, too. You're not going to feel watching any Stephen King adaptation the same way you do as watching Nightmare on Elm Street or or like Aww. classic. I feel like horrors. it. I feel like it does it. <laughs> it does uh, it. It does that it, same it, feeling, but you also have to put up with the long form storytelling of yeah, it. Yeah, but that doesn't so, exist in so like So here for me horror. though is the test That's for true. those kinds of movies because generally middle schoolers will flock to horror films mm-hmm. and will avoid long form films. Mm-hmm. Kids loved it. Well, oh, they were for kids. Me, but for me mm-hmm. that's their like Nightmare on Elm Street. Yeah. Like I I okay. think that was a really it's a really good horror film. I, I think I, I have to say, like Dr. Sleep of the three, 
I thought was the least unnerving or scary. There weren't a lot of things about Dr. Sleep that really, I was like, uh, like the shining is uncomfortable in a different kind of way. And it chapter one is legit scary. I mean, there are really disturbing imagery and stuff like that. Uh, what was the other thing you wanted to say, Jim? You were oh, the uh, the one homage that I love that I totally forgot is when they drive back to the Overlook and they're on the same roads, the same music as the beginning of The Shining, Shining. which takes place in what, you know, it's, it's bright out and it's still not super cold yet. And in this shot, it's like, the, it's dark pitch and, black and pitch black. And... Yeah, I thought that was a cool, I love the overhead shots of driving in this movie. Um, as much as I did in The Shining. I yeah, thought that was a good, good thing to steal. <laughs> Perfect. Uh, all right, time for five questions. You want answers? You want answers? answers. I want the truth! What makes a man, Mr. Lebowski? What the fuck is the oh, feeling? Gorgeous. Black. Why? All right. Jim. Uh, we'll be answering five questions this week. Here we go. Thumbs up or thumbs down. Twin Peaks. And here's the reason this question is asked. One of the Rose's band of merry soul suckers is the giant from yeah. Twin Peaks fame for those who like Twin Peaks. Yeah. Um, he looks very familiar to me. I am. Th- oh, man. I am like thumbs up for the most part on Twin Peaks. I, yeah, I'm thumbs up on Twin Peaks. Yeah. All right. Awesome. Uh, Jim, would you rather have The Shining or the time travel power from one of our favorite movies uh, and really enjoyable movie about time? This is sort of like asking, would you rather be scared to death your entire life (laughs) or be given a winning lottery ticket? I am all about the time travel power from about time. I am not all about seeing dead people and doing shining shit. No, and it also creating lock boxes in my brain for all this horrible shit that's not choice, right? Like you can choose to use your time travel. (laughs) Yeah. You don't get to choose the shining. That's just there. Did Haley Joel Osmond have the shining in that? Was that? What is this yeah. a part of? Do we the, think that uh, M Night Shyamalan use? is a Stephen King fan? Are you serious? I think so. <laughs> I think I, th- I think he might be. Yeah. All right. Uh, fill in the blank question. You wake up and you realize you're in room two thirty seven of the Overlook Hotel. The first words out of your mouth are nope, <laughs> nope, murder hornets, um, <laughs> and there there is an amazing. If you, I I, I can't recommend the movie because it's just okay at best but if you if you've seen ready player one there is a sequence a shining sort of homage in that movie that is absolutely brilliant that ties directly into this question so i recommend watching that i feel a uh, you will like, like i'm in room 237 when our child wakes up screaming in yeah. the middle of the night with uh, blood streaming out of her face yeah, she had bloody what? Nose. all the time all the time, like Either. just like shot out of bed, blood. It's just Birds you're like right house. into a Stephen King film. Yep, murder hornets at the yeah. parents. Yep. Uh, it's it's all finding 2020. us. Two thousand twenty. We've we've watched is. our neighborhood hawk kill two animals in front of us. Okay. My my child and I have watched the hawk kill a bunny. And you better keep that door closer. That damn yeah. hawk's gonna That's be true. The door. I always think it's gonna um, come and get my dog. Uh. Jim, favorite question, favorite Ewan McGregor movie? Okay. I am going to have a little bit of a hot take here. As f- <laughs> I looked through his IMDb page, and as much as I love Ewan McGregor, I don't know that he's ever been in a truly like... I think he's been in one movie that I would consider great and a couple that are good. Scroll down, please. But for the most part, he's been in dog crap movies. Keep scrolling, please. You got to go farther back. <laughs> um, you got to go farther back. Yeah, dude, like to where? Go slower. Go slower. I, I, I mean, need you to go to. He oh, was in. Right in I I right guess I have to take Moulin Rouge because I feel like that's the that is the best movie that he's been in. Not a train spotting fan. Huh? I like what I was going I, to say. I, I was like, looking for it on the list. But I do it's, like I guess it's tra- older than I thought it was. I do like train spotting too. So it would come yeah. down between the two of them. But other than them, it's pretty 
96. Okay, at I best. was thinking it was 98. Like Big Fish, that's an okay movie. Oh, I love Big Fish. But it's I just an okay years. movie. I it's, think it's a good movie. Um, this it's it's fine. The Star Wars movies are terrible. Well, he's never. He's not like an Oscar. He's not winning, overly bad in those. right. He's not bad in any of them. No, but like it's hard to be like. Oh, he hasn't I had his shining Clone moment Wars. yet. No, he hasn't had a shining moment. Like yeah, he he'll, needs he to be in more stuff. He's still young. He'll he'll get there. Yeah, yeah. All right, and finally, uh, deep thoughts question, Jim. Which Stephen King creation would you like to be in charge of adapting into a film? Oh, this is uh, tough. I don't know that I would like to be in charge of that. But if I, yeah, if I was, if I was going to be like truly like epic going, it would have to be the dark tower. It would have, have to you be done. Have you done that uh, watch yet? No, it's not free anywhere. So and I, I, on principle, I refuse to pay yeah. for it. Um, if I was going to go with something like a little smaller, I would do the long walk, which is one of the Backman books, which I think they're actually doing, um, uh, which is about sort of like a lottery situation in the future, sort of hunger gamesy where, um, you know, anyone can sign up to be in the long walk and you start somewhere in Maine and you just keep walking South. And if you fall below a certain mile per hour, they just come out and shoot you and kill you. And whoever's left standing at the very end, wins the hung, quote-unquote Hunger Games type type thing. It's very or, dystopian. Or as I would call it, November. Yeah. <laughs> November 2020, yeah. probably. Maybe that'll be Stephen King's next, be the next It's going to be the new reality show yeah. that we can talk about. Um, and that is five questions. Uh, we're going to be back our Thursday episodes, which will be coming to an end uh, soon. We're going to do a few more, uh, and then we'll go back because it's it's a lot of work. Yeah, yeah. Work. listen, uh, we've and got we're other rapidly, things happening during we're quarantine. Rapidly approaching 100 episodes. Uh, our next episode, we'll have Craig Goldberg coming in. We're going to talk about all sorts of different type of music. Uh, and then our next film next week, really excited about this one, Lady Bird. Yeah. Yay! Really excited Ooh, about Lady that one. Bird. I have have not seen it. I am very excited to see it. This will be a first watch for all of us, right? Yeah. I'm excited. And Aileen's going to watch it as well. Uh, Make sure you like, share, subscribe, review, all those great things. Keep listening. We want to get to $10 in advertising (laughs) revenue. Oh, yeah. We hit over seven. I I kind of feel like this is like um, (sighs) Rumpelstiltskin. No, it's a different word. Like, we just need to, like, maybe not talk about it and then Voldemort. I don't know. It's one of those words you're not supposed to say. Oh my God. Uh, no, All we right. don't talk about it. Right. And then hundredth episode, we just check and it's going to be like, it's, it's, boom. Gonna ex- it's just going to explode. Yep. Um, all right. That's it. Bye everybody. Bye. See you friends.